Hard first, easy later. Intent. So I call it intent. I don't know why I've always called it intent. I, I always think of it as like the user's intent behind something. Uh, I, I recently have come to know it more as outcomes. Uh, and this, I, th- I think that's kind of the industry standard is to call it outcomes. Uh, project outcomes, product outcomes, whatever you want to call it. Um, and essentially it's really, it is the intent behind the stakeholder. Uh, so just to give you an example, it would be like if you got a contract from a company and they said, Hey, uh, we want you to come in and help our team, uh, build this product or work on this project. Uh, your deliverables would be whatever, um, you know, product or service or whatever you're, you're shipping and your outcome would be your intent or your stakeholders goals for that. Uh, and it's, it's important, I think, to differentiate that from your deliverables and to, to always put that above your deliverables. Um, the reason I say that is if you are, if you are thinking um, and, and at least, and, and I'll, I'll step back real quick and just kind of give you some stats. Um, actually, I don't really know the numbers right off the top of my head, but I do know that two of the top, uh, like kind of the most, you know, up and coming thing, which, which aren't really new. I just know that it's even more like more of an issue. The primary one anyways, is how quickly things are changing as far as the technology landscape. Uh, and I don't mean, uh, you know, earth shattering changes, even though some people see it that way. I don't see it that way. I think if you're paying attention, nothing is going to surprise you because <laughs> it's not like you're, you're just not going to know about something and then boom, it's there. That, that may happen one every, you know, 10 years or something like that, where you just have something that's like an overnight, uh, hit to the market, uh, that solves some problem overnight. But most of the time, is going to be announced at a conference. Uh, it's going to be tested in the marketplace and there's going to be rumors about it. And, you know, people are going to get to touch it before, uh, you know, it becomes mainstream or there's, you know, actual like mainstream adoption. So if you're paying attention and you're out there listening and, and trying to figure out what's going on out there in the market, you're going to know these things are coming. So it shouldn't blindside you. But even though you're not going to be blindsided, the reality is that now, you know, probably whatever was, I, w- I would compare it to Moore's Law. Uh, and Moore's Law, I think, is over now. But Moore's Law was basically uh, a thesis that some guy with, I think, the last name Moore or something. It's not really a law. It's more of like a thesis. But he basically just guesstimated that uh, every six months uh, to a year, uh, I think it was I think it was one year. So it was like every year... Uh, the cost of everything from the previous year would be half and the performance would be double or something like that. But it wouldn't necessarily be the same product. It would be a comparable product. So whatever you got last year, you could get a comparable product this year at half the price for double the performance. Um, and it and it stayed true for quite a while. I think it ended and I don't know. It's debatable when it ended. I just know that it's basically over. Um so, and, and a lot of that is centered around the CPU market, you know, putting 
what is it? Uh, the, the whole silicon wafer thing has kind of gone away. Like they're running out of space. And I think the chips that they're releasing now have been out for a while, but it's only been out in like more of the, you know, kind of closed enterprise market. So they're just now bringing it to the, to the, like the, uh, what do you call it? They're bringing it from the commercial market to the, um, consumer market. That's what, that's, that's the word I was thinking about. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it, they're really not making new chips. They're just introducing something that's already been out there. Now I think they are making some, some wonky, I don't know. I've, I've seen some wonky shit lately coming out of them. They're just making them bigger, but <laughs> I don't think that's really solving the problem. Like you're not getting exponential growth uh, or performance off of it. So anyways, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, okay. So what I was trying to say though, was that as far as outcomes, um, or, or, oh yeah, I was talking about trends. So, so with the trends, they're going on right now. I think the main one is how quickly everything is changing. And so that's why I was referencing Moore's law is because what you're seeing right now is that whatever version you're on. And I mean, <laughs> and I'll just, I don't want to go too low level, but even just with like react native, uh, you know, it was a little bit rocky at the beginning cause there was a lot of breaking changes. Like you could be working on it and then six months later, everything would break. They've kind of iron that out where they try to have a pretty clear upgrade path. I mean, every, I think every code base or library goes through this, any kind of like framework uh, that has a big community, they try to have a, a clear upgrade path so you can migrate from one version to another. Um, they've had a few where there's no upgrade path or no migration path, whatever you want to call it. And, and that happens when you're moving so fast and that's just the nature of things is you have to move quickly. So with React Native specifically, though, uh, they they move pretty fast, I want to say, because it's kind of a combination. It's, you know, you might have a change with React, and then you also have a change with React Native. It's two separate things, uh, but they both affect each other. Well, at least React affects React Native. But anyways, <laughs> uh, my point with that, though, is that it's a reality that even if you know it's coming, you're whatever you launch now, at least if you're building a React Native app as a specific example, and this is probably true for most libraries or languages. I'm just giving this as an example. So I launch an app and it is pretty standard for the minute that I launch it, I'm already working on dependency uh, upgrades. So <laughs> that's just the reality. So as soon as I launch, I'm, I'm working on dependency upgrades, making sure that there's no breaking changes. Uh, because you have to also think about, you know, you, you have to know that some obscure library that you have, hopefully you don't have that many obscure libraries, but whatever library you have has to work with whatever new version just came out last week. And you have to test it and make sure it still works. Verify it. And if you have 100 dependencies, it makes it that more complicated. So... My point with that, though, is that that is actually a factor with teams. So if you're on a team and you're not being given the bandwidth to focus on dependency management and things like that uh, for migrations, uh, that's that's a problem. Because every, I want to say, two to three months, if you miss that window, you're just digging a hole. I mean, and it's going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. You can't really go, I think, longer than maybe two months before you're in a hole, you know. Uh, 
Yeah. I, I would prefer to keep it very fluid and not even really have an upgrade cycle. Uh, there, there shouldn't really be an iteration cycle for it. I think it should just be all the time. You know, I, I think every chance you know that there's a new stable release, you should have some story for that specific dependency or whatever to, to try to upgrade it. And then if, if you run into something where upgrading one dependency requires another dependency to be upgraded uh, or it doesn't support it yet, then you would have to roll it back or essentially keep it at that version and put some note on that there was a, a conflict with another version. Then you have to weigh out the pros and cons of solving it yourself or waiting a month or two until that uh, dependency actually supports it. So is it critical? Is it, you know, is it going to stop everything or can we wait for it to support it? Uh, but that has to be an ongoing thing. You can't just do that once every month or two months or whatever. I think it just has to happen all the time. So you have to always know what's happening. So if a new version comes out, you need to have some kind of a, a pipeline set up where you can put it in your queue, your backlog, whatever, and then start prioritizing it. Uh, when it goes through like it's your curation process. Um, so with with that being said, back to uh, intent. So you have from, so when you think about that though, as far as the technology landscape changing so much, I'm giving examples of like version changes, but there's also library changes. Like whatever library you used last week may be uh, not not the best pattern to solve something there's some new library or you don't even need a library anymore uh, which is a pretty common thing so what I mean by that is you need to be evolving constantly and you have to look at things as uh, you're like so when you're looking at a project or a set of sprints um, you don't want to look at necessarily uh, down in the weeds, like, okay, we're going to use this for this and we're going to use that for that. Uh, it's good to be like, Hey, we can do this or we can do that, but it needs to be more high level patterns. And then you go low level as it's on demand, as you're working on it. Reason being is because things change so quickly that you don't want to, like, you don't want to decide on, uh, we're going to use this, uh, this API or we're going to use this specific dependency or pattern or whatever to, to solve this solution. And <coughs> excuse me. Uh, yeah, you don't want to make that decision or that, that call at the beginning of a project or in like the, the pre-planning phase. And then you get a month into the project and you still want to do that same pattern, even though there's something better out there. Uh, so, I think it's just really important to think about the intent from the stakeholder and then let that drive you. Okay. So what I mean by that, to give you more of an example is maybe you are creating an app for a team within your org. And so this would be an internal app and it's exposing a microservice and a couple of different APIs and it's showing a nice user interface to a team of data scientists or something uh, to, to play around with data visualization or whatever. Uh, the intent from your stakeholders might be our primary intent is we just want to go in there and be able to look at the, um, 
the uh, what is it the uh, what is it uh, the cost centers and see who's spending the most uh, money where uh, you know so we can do comparisons on team sizes and their 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 cost versus revenue and all that stuff uh, and we don't really care about much more than that we just want to be able to do cost comparisons between different employees and different teams and cost centers and 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 there I'm sure there's other intents too but when you look at a project from that perspective and you're putting yourself in the shoes of the stakeholders okay then it's less about the technology because nobody cares about how you get there it's about what's at the end of the, the road okay so once you have the intent the more important thing with the intent in my opinion is you can break it into two different things one is you have your deliverables okay which is you're shipping this app and you want to have this specific interface and everything else but the intent behind it is like your use cases and not just your use cases but like what is it solving for the business for the teams what, what are they what are the goals there maybe the data scientist team has been begging leadership to make this app and they had to pick and choose like one or two features that they had to have or something like that and so they picked those features but if you understand the intent behind them then you understand maybe maybe I can expose um, you know some of these but then I can also expose more data in like a more raw way or something to uh, to allow them to, to handle more um, use cases and things like that uh, but also with that I think if you're looking at it from that perspective then you don't have the same issues uh, where where you can get towards the end of an app or a project or whatever and and you hear from the stakeholder hey uh, we're you know we need you to do this uh, you know this this isn't this isn't done yet or or this is not exactly what we wanted or something um, and that most of the time is because you didn't understand the intent behind it and I've been through this where I don't pressure the stakeholders enough to give me a full knowledge transfer on the intent behind it uh, which I think you have to do I think there needs to be a pretty clear knowledge transfer and a good summary coming from the stakeholders and even and it doesn't have to necessarily be to the whole team but you have to disseminate that to the whole team at some point to make sure that everybody's on the same page. But that, when everybody on the team knows what the intent is, then like individually, each of them are going to start to realize, okay, hey, uh, the, the stakeholders saying they want this, but they're telling us to use this tool to get there. And there's actually a better one that we can do. Because now that I know what they're trying to do, I can tell them maybe they're maybe they think they want to go here but actually I think they they actually want to go here they just didn't know how to explain it so that's kind of I think it's the glue the intent is kind of the glue that sticks between you know either your uh, your, your kind of your skill crossover your vertical crossovers where you have kind of your stakeholders that have their own set of verticals and then you have your your technical people who, who are executing on the project that have their own set of verticals that they don't quite mix 
And it's for the data scientist team, they think that it is obvious what they want. For the dev team, they think it's obvious that uh, that what they were told to do is to be done in that way. Uh, and so they also think that it's obvious that the data scientists should be able to tell them they wanted this or they wanted A instead of B or whatever. Uh, and it, it's really just kind of a uh, it's kind of a bias thing that you can't really get away from because it, it will seem like it's common sense, but it's it's that's not the case because it's only common sense if that's the vertical that you work in. So there has to be some kind of a, uh, you know, kind of like a gray area uh, that will bring things together a little bit more. I say gray area, but really I'm talking about intent or outcome, but it's the, um, it's the change, it's, it's the uh, whatever's going to mutate or whatever, uh, but, it's, but it's sometimes it's intangible things. Like a lot of times you can have an outcome that is more about, um, you know, we, we've never had a data, data scientist team. And so we're bringing them on for the first time. And the, the data scientists that we brought on first told us that we need to have this app. Um, so knowing the intent behind that. And so we want to keep them happy. We want to, and we want to grow this so that the data scientist team has more access to more data. Um, so if you start to understand these things, then you can start to have ideas, you can suggest things, you can have a better, deeper conversation with the stakeholders, and it'll lead you in potentially different directions at the outset of a project versus waiting until you get to the end of a project, which I've seen a lot of times with a lot of teams, where it's like they don't really care about the intent, and so they will go through the project with blinders on, and they get to the end and they're like, well, I did what was in my stories. And, and then they wonder, and, and it, it's like it doesn't bother them sometimes. I think they just like being busy, like doing busy work kind of thing. Because then the project gets kicked back and then they, they repurpose it and they add a bunch of new features or something like that. And people end up compromising and you end up with these internal apps where teams kind of resent other teams. And they will be like, well, you know this is how we do our coupon system or, you know, this is how we manage employee logins. And yeah, I know it's, it's not good. And we wanted this and this button doesn't work and you have to refresh it two times to get this to work. And, you know, and then everybody who gets onboarded, everybody who's interacting with those features and those apps uh, are getting those impressions of the kind of uh, resentment from, you know, the, 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 the stakeholders to the ones who actually executed on the project and now you've created a bad user experience for your stakeholders and and obviously it's it's uh, it compounds if it's an internal project because it's that much worse if your stakeholders are actually employees that's going to affect other work and other projects as well so that's just an example but I think if if you can grasp that idea that you put intent first and then deliverables, I think you can get to, you can get to a really good place. But the other thing with intent is I usually use intent to find out if what they said is actually what they meant. So 
and it's and it's hard <laughs> it's hard to break that down more than that than to to basically just like what I was saying earlier is try to figure out is is what they say like did they understand what they were asking for is probably the first thing I would start with and if they they understood what they were asking for they understood what they're going to get from that and and potentially how it's going to get executed um, but it's not really important if they know that uh, unless they care so that's the other thing is you probably want to check if behind their intent is they want to make sure it's executed in a specific way uh, sometimes that can play if uh, that can play a big role if they have plans down the road and something else on the roadmap requires something to be executed in a specific way early on so anyways I, I think that's a, I think it's a small thing but I think it's an important thing and I think it's something that it's really easy to get right and it's really easy to get wrong so you just have to proactively approach every project with that and try to identify what the intent is from the stakeholders at the outset of every project so anyways a little tidbit for the weekend hope, hope everybody's having a good weekend and I will go ahead and end it here <laughs>